0: The problem human beings face is not that we aim too high and fail, but that we aim too low and succeed. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Intentional Living and Leadership. First of all, forgive my voice. I am suffering from allergies and it is an awkward time to have allergies as COVID-19 spreads throughout the US and the world. Wow, since the last time I recorded, so much has changed. Many governors have ordered residents to shelter at home. Many of us are now working remotely from home. Schools are closed, which means parents are trying to figure out how to work and homeschool at the same time. Uh, And then many are losing jobs. Many are unsure how long their jobs will remain. And I know many of us are dealing with this mountain of uncertainty about the economy about what this virus might do to us individually and to our loved ones especially those most vulnerable at this time and like many of you i have been observing this unique moment in history and have many thoughts on how we're dealing with it as individuals as families, as organizations, and as leaders. And I wanna offer just a few quick thoughts before we jump into today's interview, which is a perfect topic for what we're all going through as a world. Uh, First, I want you to know, if you need something, if you need anything, please do not hesitate to reach out to me for help. I would love to pray for you, to listen to you, to encourage you, to help you in any way possible. During this moment, we need each other even if we have to stay six feet apart and practice social distancing. So please know that I care about you and I will do anything I can to assist you as you navigate this difficult season. We're gonna get through this together. We are gonna get through this. We're gonna get on the other side of this and I hope that we're all stronger on the other side of this. Second, I think one of the best ways to be intentional during this time is to do an assessment of your situation and come up with new habits, new routines, new rhythms that work for this new normal. Think of ways to help you be at your best during this difficult time. Get outside. Practice gratitude. I think there are so many negative things that we can fall into focusing on. I think it's all the more important right now to be intentional about writing down those things that we're thankful for. Asking yourself and your spouse and your loved ones, hey what are some things that you're thankful for right now you <laughs> in this moment hunt the good stuff there are great things happening even in the midst of craziness that we can we can focus on stay connected to people you love find time each day to move your body and look for ways to help others I love this quote from Fred Rogers mr. Rogers he says when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news my mother would say to me look for the helpers you will always find people who are helping and we're gonna talk about that today on this episode and then finally give yourself and and your loved one's grace during this time. None of us have been through this before. This is the first time for any of us. We're all figuring this out as we go. Even if you've been through difficult times before, even if you've built resilience. We are. We all have moments of struggle and challenge as we navigate new things. So give yourself and your loved ones some grace. And I'm so excited with all that. I'm so excited to bring you this interview today with Dr. Ryan Godforsen, who is a mental success coach and a cutting edge leadership consultant, author, trainer, and researcher. And he helps improve organizations, leaders, teams, and employees by improving their mindsets, which is a perfect thing to think about and talk about right now. Ryan is currently a leadership and management professor at Cal State Fullerton. Ryan did his undergraduate work at Brigham Young University, and he holds a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources from Indiana University, and he is the author of the new book Success Mindsets: The Key to Unlocking Greater Success in Your Life, Work, and Leadership. And I know I've I've been bringing on a lot of authors onto this podcast, And I want you all to know, if I'm bringing someone onto this podcast, I have one, I've read their book, and then number two, I think their book is really good and has a lot to offer you all. Thankfully, I'm in a position now to be able to be selective about who I bring on this podcast because I want it to be of value to you, and Ryan's book... Is no different Ryan's book is one of those that is there's there has been a lot written on mindsets but Ryan takes a unique approach of labeling all of the four key success mindsets synthesizing them and giving us all great examples of how we can implement them in our own lives so I I really think you're gonna enjoy his book and this interview Ryan also works with organizations to develop their leaders and improve their collective mindsets and culture he's worked with top leadership teams at for example CVS Health Deutsche Telekom, and dozens of other organizations. As a respected author and researcher on topics related to leadership management and organizational behavior, Ryan has been featured in Harvard Business Review, and he's published over 15 articles across a variety of journals to include the Journal of Management, Journal of Organizational Behavior, Business Horizons, Journal of Leadership and Organizational Studies, and Journal of Leadership Studies. His research has also been cited over 2,000 times since 2014. So as we explore each of these four success mindsets today, that's a growth mindset, an open mindset, a promotion mindset, and an outward mindset i just want to ask you to reflect on which ones you think you have cultivated well and maybe which ones you think you struggle with the most sometimes this is a hard thing to do it's called metacognition it's thinking about the way that we think but as you'll hear ryan say everything starts with our mindset so without any further ado please enjoy this interview with dr ryan Gottfriedson. ryan welcome to intentional living and leadership
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this.
2: Yeah, it's really great to, to have you on. I love your new book that is out and it's out in ebook and audiobook. Is that right? And it's coming out in print form May 5th. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, it's, it's kind
1: of been fun to have something out there in the world, a, a book out there in the world with the ebook and audiobook form and starting to get some really good feedback. So it's uh, it's been a fun journey so far and we're looking forward to ramping it up.
2: That's awesome. I wish we could have recorded our conversation before we hopped on here. It was really neat. But one of the things I was telling you that I love about your book is it takes a lot of these different topics, these different mindsets that you might read in different books or areas, and it really pulls them together. You give a lot of great examples. And I think you, you really gave us a lot of practical tools, which is great. And I hope we can get into some of those today for the, the benefit of the audience. But before we kind of dive into the, some of the specifics I'd love if you could just share a little bit about your background and maybe what led you to write this book about these different success mindsets.
1: For sure. So I'm a leadership professor at Cal State Fullerton, and I did my doctorate degree at Indiana University in Organizational Behavior. And my dissertation was on leadership, which was fantastic. It allowed me to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And my dissertation primarily focused on what has been the dominant focus in leadership research, which is leadership behaviors. In other words, what do leaders need to do to be successful? And that was really interesting and I thought it was great. And we we came up with some really interesting findings, but the basic idea just didn't resonate very well with me. Because I felt it was a little bit short-sighted, I guess. Mm -hmm my guess is you would probably agree with me that I leadership do. is more than just doing the right thing. It's about no being a certain type of person, being somebody that others want to follow. Yeah. And so for the last seven years, I've been on this journey to try to figure out how do we tap into the being element of leadership and everything's led me to mindsets. And so yeah. that's where my book came out of. And what I've learned about mindsets are mindsets are foundational to everything that we do. They, they, operate largely non-consciously, yet they shape how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. And so when you say you love how it brings ideas together, well, it makes sense that it would because mindsets are foundational to really everything else that we would want to build on top of it.
2: Yeah, I love this question. I think you asked this kind of towards the beginning of your book. You said, do you think that your thinking is the best way to think? And that's just a simple question, but I think that gets at the basic idea of what you're getting at is how much – our mindsets shape our behaviors and our attitudes, everything we do.
1: Well, it's really interesting, particularly when you get in front of a group of leaders of <laughs> organizations, you walk into the room and you can ask them, do you think that you're thinking is the best way to think? Or another way to put that is, do you think you're doing the best job that you can? And they all say yes, hmm. but their experiences are very different depending upon their mindsets. And maybe let me give you an example that kind of drives this point home. Yeah, I think yeah please. Easy. Are you much of a football fan?
2: I love football, but I think with kids and everything, I haven't done a great job of following it over the past, I don't know, decade. <laughs> uh-huh, gotcha. But I enjoy it. I played football in college, actually, which is, oh. is terrible. I should follow it more closely. <laughs> oh, it's all good. So uh,
1: Tom Coughlin is the former head coach of the New York Giants. So yeah. he was a pretty successful head him. coach. Yeah. Uh, won two Super Bowls. And then when he stepped down as head coach of the New York Giants, he went over to the Jacksonville Jaguars as the president there. And the, the Jacksonville Jaguars just haven't been very successful. Um, and so I think we've got to imagine that Tom Coughlin is thinking, I'm going to go over to the Jacksonville Jaguars and I'm going to turn the ship around. Like mm. I, I imagine he wanted to have a lasting positive impact to leave a legacy really mm. for himself, but then also the team. And this last season was really interesting because, I, I mean, some, a bit of backstories. Tom Coughlin is kind of known to be a disciplinarian. He, he has some of the Vince Lombardi tactics where if, yeah. you're, if you're on time, you're late. You have to be five minutes early if you want to be on time. And I imagine him thinking, all we need to do is we need to instill some discipline within the football team. We can get some discipline, and I'm sure you hear this a lot in the military, we need greater discipline, uh, yeah. which you do. Um, but, but that's kind of was his focus is, is bringing this discipline. But during the course of this last season, the NFL players association association came out with a report that said, and the Jacksonville Jaguar players represent 3% of all of the NFL players, right? Yeah. Cause there's about 32 teams. Well, the report said that from these 3%, comes 25% of all player complaints wow. in the NFL. And so and they even went on to say that we cannot recommend that NFL players play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh my goodness. And so the owner promptly fires Tom Coughlin, <laughs> you know, rightfully so. Uh-huh. But here's just a dynamic that I think is so fascinating where you have Tom Coughlin has all of the good intentions in the world. I imagine is doing the best that he can. And the effect that he has on the organization is actually negative. Hmm. And unfortunately, this phenomenon, which I'm going to call good intentions and Hmm. low awareness, plays out everywhere. Hmm. In fact, statistics are saying that 60% of employees say that their direct leader damages their self-esteem. And so it's interesting because I think that most leaders and really most people, we want to be a positive influence on the lives of others. And that's part of our ideal self. But so often we don't live up to that. And the reason why is because we've likely got underlying mindsets that are causing us to think and behave in ways that we feel are best, but are actually detrimental for those around us. Mm.
2: Wow. That's really an interesting illustration because the same guy, same mindset, I guess, taking it to a different organization, seeing the results. Do you find, and I think you mentioned this in your book, do you find that a lot of uh, organizations also don't focus on mindsets? Are you, do you feel when you go and speak that this is kind of an, an unusual topic for them to talk about?
1: Yes, it is. I, I think part of it, it's interesting. I don't think that there's, my guess is there's less than 1% of organizations that talk specifically about mindsets as part of their leadership development programs. This isn't to say that they don't agree that mindsets are important. I think most people think that mindsets are important, but I think that something that has limited them from focusing on mindsets is they don't know exactly what mindsets to focus on. Mm. And when you don't have kind of clear labels and clear mindsets to focus on, you really don't have anything to go off of. And so that's really where my work comes in. Because I don't think I'm very innovative by saying that mindsets are important and foundational to everything that we do. What I've done is I've taken the last 30 plus years of of research on mindsets that stem from psychology, education, management, and marketing. And I've just brought these different mindsets that have been studied together into a single framework that allows us to see clearly what mindsets we need to have if we want to be the positive influence that we want to be. And so these four sets of mindsets, they range, they each range on a continuum from negative to positive, which is great because what it does is it allows us to identify where do we stand along the continuums of these four different sets of mindsets. And in fact, i developed a personal mindset assessment. It's free. Anybody can take it on my website that helps them awaken to the current quality of their mindsets and also give them direction on how to improve their mindsets. It'll give them clarity on the destination that they should be shooting for.
2: Yeah, that's great. And for the, for the audience, I'll make sure and put links to that in the show notes at my website, calwalters.me. Uh, we've been talking about it, but just real quickly, Ryan, can you define or just kind of give us a general definition of what a mindset is so we're clear on what we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, so our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. And they are foundational to everything that we do. Because when we encounter a situation, I mean, just imagine if you're going into a group of uh, employees. I think you said that you're moving to North Carolina here soon. So you may be meeting a whole new group of employees that you've you've never worked with before. When you encounter that situation, what's going to happen is your senses are going to send all sorts of stimuli into your brain. The problem with this is is that we can't process all of that. And so what we do is we rely upon our mindsets, neural connections in our prefrontal cortex to identify which of these signals are most important and how should I interpret these signals? Mm-hmm. So based upon the signals that our mindsets filter in and how they tell us to interpret those signals, that shapes how we think, how we learn and how we behave. And so for example, if if One of the things that causes, or one of the ways that people can see the same situation but interpret it differently is around failure. How do you see failure? Well, some people see it as something to avoid because if they fail, that says something bad about them. Other people see failure as being something that's incredibly valuable because it's something to learn from, which can actually, over the long run, increase their self-worth. And so depending upon our mindsets we're going to see failure as either being something to avoid or something to approach. So that's a situation where our mindsets are picking up on how do I interpret? So what are the cues and how do I interpret them and that goes on to fuel essentially everything that we do.
2: Yeah, that's so good. I want to for the listeners, I want to ask I'm going to ask the listener just some questions that you ask in uh, your book, to kind of f- let them start thinking as we talk through these things. I hope this will kind of marinate in their minds as we talk through them. But listeners, so the first question that you're faced with is you have a challenge, and think about what. How do you react when you get a challenge? Another one. Th- one another thing I want you to think about is someone disagrees with you. How do you react when someone disagrees with you? Whether they're a subordinate, a child, or a customer. The next question I want you to think about is you're faced with two options one choice is more certain but there's little reward the other one is is less certain but there's more reward and then the last person is how would you react or last question is how would you react Mm -hmm. if you saw a homeless person on the street so listeners be thinking about that because we're going to talk through those things but a first question for you ryan can we uh, obviously I, i think the answer is is yes but can you just talk through how we can improve and, and grow our mindsets and change our mindsets over time. Great question. And I think one of the keys is is understanding that our mindsets
1: are neural connections in our prefrontal cortex. And we each have a neuro, a negative mindset neural connection, let's just say towards failure and, and a positive mindset neural connection towards failure because we can interpret it in both ways. Now how we will naturally interpret that, is depends upon how strong that particular neural connection is. And so if our negative mindset neural connection is really strong, it's going to fire really loudly and really quickly. Whereas the less strong or the weaker neural connection is just going to be slower and softer. And so when it comes to processing information, we're going to rely upon the stronger neural connection. So what this means in terms of shifting our mindsets is we've got to activate and strengthen our positive mindset neural connections. Essentially, we've got to hit the gym for our brain. Mm. So if we go and work out once, we may see some positive effects, but those aren't going to stick around. But if we start going on a regular basis, over time, we're mm. really strengthening those muscles. And the same thing goes for our mindsets. And so what we've got to do is we've got to engage in intentional small interventions, such as watching some videos or writing exercises like a gratitude journal or or different things like that. And as we do that over time, we will exercise and strengthen our positive mindset neural connections. And so one of the things I've actually developed is a digital mindset coach that helps people do that. That's cued into the four what I call success mindsets that I yeah. focus on. So yeah. we we develop specific questions and activities for each of those specific mindsets.
2: Wow. Well, uh, before we get into these success mindsets, just on that uh, success coach or the mindset coach, is that uh, to supplement the book?
1: Yeah. And that's what I think, which is really cool is people read the book. And then if they want to really do some mindset work and is they engage in the digital mindset coach. And what we're finding is it has four primary benefits. One is it's shifting mindsets. Two, it's enhancing learning and retention of the material in the book. So we don't just read it and it's just- That's so good. We lose it. Yeah, We actually are, are engaging in efforts to continually retain that information. And uh, third, we, we're seeing greater levels of self-awareness and enhanced metacognition. And then fourth, people are, are sharing that they find themselves being more intentional about their mindsets, their day, and their influence.
2: Wow. I love that because so often I just read a book. I love the concepts. Like I love the concepts in your book, but I don't quite know what to do next. And then a month will go by and I'm like, man, I really love that success mindsets book. I don't know that I've done anything with it. Uh, so I love that you're giving people a practical tool. To take what they learn in the book and then go and apply it and really integrate that into their life. All right, so let's jump right into these four success mindsets. The first one is a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So can you talk a little bit about what that is? And then for the listeners, this is all about you have, you're faced with a challenge. How do you view that challenge? Great.
1: So the fixed mindset is on the negative side. The growth mindset is on the positive side. And so we're gonna stand somewhere along this continuum. And when we have a fixed mindset, we tend to believe that people cannot change their talents, abilities, and intelligence. And that includes ourselves. When we have a growth mindset, we do believe that we and others can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. And here's why this matters, is because if we were to fail, and we have a fixed mindset, meaning we don't believe that we can improve, how are we going to interpret that failure? Hmm. Well, we're likely going to internalize that and consider ourselves a failure. Let me give you a quick example of this, is I have a nephew who I no longer play board games with because (laughs) when I would play board games and he would get to the point where he knew he was going to lose, he would (laughs) topple the table. It's like, who does this? Well, it's somebody who says that if I lose, then I'm a loser because I don't believe that I could change my talents, abilities, and intelligence. Mm. And so those with a fixed mindset, we are primarily focused on looking good. Mm. We want to be seen as having talents and abilities. Mm. So we kind of see the world in terms of haves or have nots and we want to be a have. And so because of this and going to your point about challenges, We actually seek to avoid challenges because we see them as being high risk for failure. Mm -hmm. And research over the last 35 years on these different mindsets have found that those with a fixed mindset are less likely to engage in effort when the going gets tough. They're less likely to be persistent than those with a growth mindset, who, because they believe that they can change and grow, they're not concerned about failing. They actually see failure as a stepping stone to to be to improve
2: themselves that's so important that sounds like playing board games with my daughter by the way so <laughs> we're working on that we're working on the growth mindset on that one
1: <laughs> you wouldn't be the only child with a, the only person with a child with a fixed mindset i've got one too That
2: uh, man uh, so the next one is having an open mindset versus a closed mindset and for listeners this might come out if someone disagrees with you how do you react when someone disagrees with you
1: yes yeah, so when we have a closed mindset, we're closed to the ideas and suggestions of others. When we have an open mindset, we're open to others' ideas and suggestions. And one of the challenges is that most people, even those that have a closed mindset, believe that they have an open mindset. Uh, and so this is pretty hard for us, I think, to introspect about. And I think that's one of the reasons why my mindset assessment is helpful, is it? It essentially compares the quality of your mindsets relative to 10,000 plus other people who have Mm. taken the assessment. Yeah. But I think most people, they are really justified when they have a closed mindset and here's what's going on and here's why people develop a closed mindset is they believe that what they know is best. Mm. And when we believe that what we know is best and we're comparing our mind to a bucket, we believe that our bucket is full. Mm. Now, What happens if we try to pour something into a full bucket? Well, it's just going to go off the side. We're not going to be able to absorb anything. And so those with a closed mindset, they, and they see their bucket is full. They primarily want to be seen as being right because I know what's best. I want to share that. So they're inclined to provide answers instead of ask questions. They're going to avoid feedback. They're going to avoid new perspectives and they're going to see disagreement actually as a threat. Because if you disagree with me and I know what is best, then, then this is now a threat to me.
2: Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And this is probably one of the things, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect in this by any means, and I'm working on this myself, but I think as a society, imagine if we were to fully embrace this and just be a little bit more willing to listen and engage and be curious to learn From those around us. So I love that you're identifying that as a separate mindset. I've I've read a lot about growth mindset, but I, I don't know that I've, again, going back to the the value of this book of kind of separating these out, putting labels on them and helping us categorize them in our mind. Okay, I need to work on being a little bit more open with this person. I disagree with them but maybe I have something to learn. It kind of goes back to the Stephen Covey idea of seek first to understand and then to be understood, which is one of my favorite things in the world. And it's probably helped me more than anything. So love that. I think that's really helpful.
1: You touch on a couple of things that maybe let me jump off of for a minute. Yes. Is, is one, when it comes to these different mindset sets, I'm, I've been really surprised because I thought that they would be really correlated with each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And what I'm finding is that they're not, which suggests that these are very distinct and different mindsets. And if we want to shift from a closed mindset to an open mindset, this isn't that big of a deal. What we're doing is what we're saying is, okay, I may know a lot. I may be an expert, but I'm just going to leave at least a little bit of room in my bucket for the yeah. idea that I could be wrong. Yeah. And the shift that that makes for us is incredible because- We go from wanting to be right to wanting to find truth and to think Mm -hmm. optimally. So Mm -hmm. when we're wanting to find truth and think optimally, we're asking questions, we're inviting feedback, inviting new perspectives, and we see disagreement as opportunities to learn and grow. And and this is where innovation and creativity thrive, is when we're able to ask questions. This is when engagement happens for employees, is Mm -hmm. when leaders are asking for their voice. Mm. In fact, in my uh, a few years ago, I was a consultant at Gallup for a year and I did a data analysis and I found that if an employee can rate a five on my opinions count at work, so this is strongly agreed that my opinions count at work, 95% of those employees were engaged. Mm. And this is in a database where Gallup says that less than 35% of employees are engaged. Wow. So if we could bring out the voice in our people we will find engagement on the back end of that. And so mm. uh, having this open mindset is critical for engagement, for psychological safety, uh, as well as a whole host of other benefits for ourselves, such as thinking more clearly and more optimally.
2: Yeah, since you brought that up, I want to kind of drill down a little bit with that because I think this kind of brings together a lot of the stuff that I've been reading about, You know, Ray Dalio and his organization, just this radical transparency. Um, some of the other stuff I've read about cultivating a feedback culture. Do you have any tips or tricks or suggestions or advice for leaders to create that engaged culture, to create an organizational culture where people feel comfortable being engaged, giving feedback? Great question.
1: So when, when we have a closed mindset, our desire is to be right. When we have an open mindset, our desire is to find truth and think optimally. And so if we've got a culture that makes it seem that employees have to be right, that they need to be the know-it-all, then what we are doing is we are unintentionally, I mean, there's probably some good intentions behind that, but we're unintentionally incentivizing the negative mindsets. And Microsoft is a great example of this because when Satya Nadella came in in 2004 as CEO, Microsoft had been stagnant for the prior 13 years in terms of their market cap and stock price. And when he came in, his primary focus was on shifting the culture and he focused on mindsets. And what he found and what he tried to do is that Microsoft, their employees felt like they needed to be know-it-alls and he changed, he put on all the employee tags going from know-it-all to learn-it-all as a way to promote more of these growth and open mindsets. And as, he, as, they, as they've made that shift where they don't feel like they need to be the right person or, or have all of the answers, they're creating space for the idea that they could be wrong and that together as a team, they will come up with the right solutions, hmm, not great. just one person. And what he says is that there was more going on outside of the meeting than inside of the meeting because nobody was speaking up in the meeting because nobody felt safe to do so. And so as they focused on it, Shifting mindsets, the the growth in Microsoft over the last six years has been incredible. I mean, the, their market price—I looked up the other day. It may change because the stock price has changed uh, a little bit. Yeah. But uh, their last I checked, they were four times above what they were in 2014. So four times growth, primarily founded on a shift in mindsets.
2: Man, that is that's such a practical tip to have. One example of how to kind of change a culture. I think we've all been in organizations where that happens, where there's a lot more discussion. And transparency and honesty happening outside of the meeting when the leader's not around, than when the leader's present. I had uh, David Marquet on a, a month ago, and he talked about the language and how important it is to use that language, and how sometimes the leader has to be the last one to assert their opinion to allow other people to feel comfortable giving their opinion. And so it's just it's neat to see a lot of this come together. And I hope for our, my listeners that they're seeing some of these corollaries. Thanks for that Ryan that's really helpful I know for me personally and I'm sure for a lot of the listeners. All right next is number 3 is a promotion versus a prevention mindset. So here's that situation where you have a choice between two options. One's a lot more certain but there's not a huge opportunity for reward. The other option is a lot less certain but there's more opportunity for reward. So listeners just kind of testing your own mindset here. Think about how you would react to a situation like that and then Ryan kind of talk us through this a little bit.
1: Yes. When we have a prevention mindset, our primary focus is on not losing. When we have a promotion mindset, our primary focus is on winning and gains. And to kind of paint the picture of these different mindsets, let's imagine that we're a ship captain in the middle of the ocean. Hmm. And if we have a prevention mindset, our number one focus is on not sinking. We don't want any problems to occur. We don't want to take any risks. We don't want to rock the boat. But what happens when a storm comes on the horizon? How are we going to react to that storm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're probably going to head to a place of safety, a port or a harbor where we can be safe. But then we've got to ask ourselves, is that port or that harbor, is that the destination that we originally set out for? Probably not. So when we have a pr- promotion mindset as a ship captain, It's not that we're not concerned about sinking, because we are, but our primary focus is on reaching a specific destination. And so when that storm comes on the horizon, we ask ourselves, does that storm stand between me and my destination? And if the answer is yes, then we prepare for that storm. We batten down the hatches, and we become willing to take the risk of braving the winds and the currents of the sea, because that's the only way to get to our destination. And so at the end of the day, the difference between these two mindsets are those of the prevention mindset are inclined to run from challenges Hmm. as a way to protect their safety. And that's very justifiable. I mean, I I get that approach because I was there for most of my adult life. Yeah. But what we got to realize that if we really want to be the drivers of our lives and create the outcomes of our own proactive design, we've got to have a promotion mindset. We've got to be willing to brave the winds and the currents of the sea because that's the only way that we'll ever get there.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really helpful illustration. It makes me actually think I always wanted to be a great basketball player. I really always wish that I could shoot well. I've always admired shooters who can just make shots. And it almost makes me think of me in the past where I was so worried about not missing that I would never shoot. So it seems to me the great shooters, they don't even think about missing. All they focus on is making the shot, and the best coaches just say, hey, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. So – is it kind of like that? Is it, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, so I might be assuming something here, but is this partly what you're focused on? Like, are you focused on winning versus not losing or do I have that wrong?
1: So you're, you're focused on winning, but then the way that we translate that is you're focused on a destination. Mm, okay. Where are you headed, right? So rather than say, I want to be a great shooter, you might say, I want to be a great basketball player. Mm. And how do I become a great basketball player? Well, I've got to learn how to shoot different types of shots. Mm. And and the more that I learn and and practice, the more I will be able to perform when I need to in the games and become this great basketball player. Mm. So it all depends on we've got to create an outcome that we're shooting for. We've got to have a purpose that's driving us to go against the winds and the currents of the sea. And this is an interesting kind of pair of mindsets, because I think that our natural default, if we don't have a clear destination or a purpose, our default is to be prevention mindset or to have the prevention mindset to just be comfortable, to play it safe. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we do that, we're the passenger of our lives instead of the driver.
2: Yeah. Is this, does this one have an organizational corollary as well? So the, one of the ways that I I like to
1: uh, look at this is in terms of our desires again. So when we have a prevention mindset, our primary desire is to avoid problems Our and this is very justifiable for organizations. I I mean, I would say for half of the organizations that I work with, this is their most dominant problem. And the reason why is because they've learned that if they have problems with their customers, their customers leave. And so understandably and justifiably, they try to prevent problems at all costs. And that actually becomes their purpose. Hmm. Well, what if we've developed a culture where we're avoiding problems, what happens when a problem occurs? Well, employees are going to sweep it under the rug instead of bring it to light to, to effectively address it. And what's the likelihood of us being innovative and creative if we can't have problems? Creativity and innovation require problems. And so when I work with leaders, it's really interesting to see the light bulbs go off because they think, oh my goodness, (laughs) like I felt so justified in trying to avoid problems. And I didn't realize that had, that was having damaging long-term implications for our business because we were so focused on avoiding the problems. We weren't focused on actually addressing the customer's needs and wants and adding value
2: to them. That makes sense. All right. Moving on to the last one here, the fourth success mindset. This is the outward mindset versus the inward mindset. And the kind of the illustration or the prompt you give people here is a homeless person on the street. So you walk up to a homeless person on the street corner. And I think this kind of has a personal uh, story. So maybe you could tell us that story and then talk through a little bit about what it means to have an outward mindset versus an inward mindset.
1: Yeah. So I don't know about you, but In fact, I found something really interesting the other day is that 50% of all of the U.S.'s homeless population lives in California. And so that's where I'm at in Southern California, which for me means that when I drive to work, there's a really high likelihood that there's somebody standing on a street corner asking for assistance. And for most of my adult life, I would, you know, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but I would see them as not doing their best. And when I would see them as not doing their best, I was quick to be critical. Like, what are you doing with your time? Why are you asking me for my hard-earned money when you're just standing there? Why don't you do something a little bit more productive? Well, in those instances, I've got to ask myself, one, I might be justified. But am I being a positive influence? Am I being my ideal self in those situations? Well, unlikely. And then I read Brene Brown's book, uh, Rising Strong, which I love her work. And she, yep. and, and, and she caused me to ask a question when I saw homeless people. And that was, are they doing the best that they can? And let me take that assumption into these situations. And so when I would ask myself, are these, what if this person is doing the best that they can?
2: Hmm.
1: What, it led me to then ask another question. What in the world has happened in their life that has led them to believe that this is the best way to live. And upon asking that I grow incredibly empathetic and I'm much more inclined to assist them or operate in a way that's closer to my ideal self.
2: Mm.
1: And so I think that this is a really great example because it demonstrates how our lenses that we're wearing shape, how we think, how we behave and how successful that we are. And so the difference here is when we have an inward mindset, We're inclined to see ourselves as being more important than others, causing us to see them as objects and generally not doing their best. When we have an outward mindset, we see them as being just as important as ourselves. Their needs and wants matter just as much as our own. And this causes us to see them not as objects, but as people. And we're generally inclined to see them as doing the best that they can. Mm.
2: Wow. Yeah, I think this is probably, and I hate to admit this, but I think when, if I look back on my leadership in the past, I think this has probably been one of my biggest weaknesses. It's, it kind of goes back to this idea of how sometimes I think we tend to judge other people by their actions, and then we judge ourselves by our best intentions. So there's this dichotomy in the way it's, I think it's the fundamental attribution bias. But someone, for example, would show up late to work, and I would immediately think, oh, well, they just don't plan well, or they are lazy, or, you know, they are not responsible. But if I'm late to work, I have a million reasons I can give you to justify why I had to take my daughter to school, or, you know, I had other important things to do. And it just, I think it it kind of goes back to what I think a lot of us have and these biases. So I love the way you articulate it. What do you think are some of the primary benefits of having kind of an outward Mindset versus an inward mindset. You can talk about that personally or organizationally.
1: Yeah, let me use another example. Uh, and I feature this in my book. The guy's name is Benjamin Zander. He's a conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he said that for the first half of his career, he was the stereotypical authoritarian leader. And the way that he approached his musicians was that he didn't see them as people. He saw them as instruments there to play the music the way that he wanted it played. Because if they would, if they would play it the way that he wanted it played, then he would get all the fame and notoriety. And he said about halfway through his career, he had an epiphany. And the epiphany was that while he may be the face of the orchestra, he doesn't play a note. And this caused him to switch, to switch his mindset and he started to see his musicians not as instruments, that is, but as people. And so rather than get them to play the music the way that he wanted it played, he tried to get them to play the music the way that they were most capable of playing it. Wow. He, in other words, he was trying to bring out the best because he saw them as people. He cared about, he then cared about their experience. He says that historically, orchestra players have a job satisfaction level below that of prison guards, right? Because they're treated terribly by these conductors who are primarily focused on their image and not on the success of their people. And so as he made this transition, uh, he brought out so much more out of his musicians. And in reality, he's actually changed the culture of leadership amongst orchestra conductors. That now the norm is to be much more like how he was. And he—he's—I uh, don't know how old he is, but he's pretty tenured orchestra conductor, and, and he was essentially one of the pioneers in taking this different approach towards its orchestra members, and and so it's been really interesting to see how you you can find a lot of TED talks by orchestra conductors that are promoting very similar ideas.
2: I love that. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really, that's fascinating. So, Ryan, I have to ask you about any practical tips you have for implementing these mindsets. I've heard you previously talk about. I think it's this five-minute journal that you've used. But uh, one of the things I really try to do on the show is is try to give the listener some practical tools. So, any just kind of practical tips that maybe you've experienced in your own life, or you've seen other people have success with in cultivating these mindsets in their lives and in their businesses.
1: Yes. Let me give you an, a, a research study that was done that, and then I'll, I'll kind of back it up with these tips. Yeah, so in this research study, they took a group of financial professionals and they showed one group a three-minute video about how stress is disabling. And it's all backed by research. And then they showed another group a three-minute video how about how stress is enabling, also backed by research. And then they let them go for the next two weeks. And they tracked their engagement, job performance, and blood pressure over the next two weeks. And what they found is that those who saw the three-minute video about how stress is enhancing had higher engagement, higher performance, and lower blood pressure. Wow. Is so? It's, I mean, it's just incredible when <laughs> you crazy. read some of this stuff because it's a three-minute video.
2: Yeah, that's insane.
1: Pretty insignificant. But what it's doing is it's activating and strengthening the positive mindset neural connections. And so if we can engage in, in behaviors, it could be watching a video, the music that we listen to another study. Was, that's interesting is they wrote down two paragraphs stating their goals and aspirations. And when they compared that to another group of students who wrote about their duties and obligations, those who wrote about their goals and aspirations, the promotion mindset were more socially outgoing in their group conversations and were viewed more favorably by their peers. In other words, they had a higher reputation. So here's another example, just writing a two paragraph exercise shaped how they thought and how they behave. And so there's a lot of different ideas that we can come up with around this. And just to go to your point of the five minute journal is I was given the five minute journal about two years ago, right as I was starting my journey into writing a book and, and entrepreneurship. And the guy who handed it to me said, This is going to change your life. And I'm thinking in my head, There's no way in hell I'm journaling. Like, I don't journal. And so I bring it home and I open it up. and I was like, I'll give it a shot for two weeks. We'll see how it goes. And, and the, the five minute journal has you answer three questions in the morning and two questions at night. So the questions are uh, three things that you're grateful for, three things that would make today amazing, and then fill in some self affirmations. Okay. And then at night, What are three amazing things that happened and and what can you learn from today to improve in the future? And as I started to do this uh, on a daily basis and I didn't know it at the time, I was exercising my promotion mindset, neural connections. And as I did this over time, I was finding that I got into a competition with myself. I need to make today better than yesterday and I need to make this week better than last week. And then I got even more, what do I want to create in the future, and how do I get there? And to me, that that was it was the tool that I used that shifted me from a pretty strong prevention mindset over to now what I believe I have is a promotion mindset. At, without which, I would have never written my book. I would have never started up my own business. Uh, I would have never just. You know invested a whole ton of money for an ebook <laughs> marketing campaign that I have coming up i you know, I took out a home equity line of credit to market my uh-huh. book because I believe in my book I, I just it. would have never taken that risk hmm. had i had I had this prevention mindset because it doesn't make sense to somebody who has
2: a yeah credit. so uh-huh.
1: hopefully those are some examples
2: no that's so good well i man, just hearing you say uh just the the risk in quotations those can't or that list of this can't see it but uh, it just goes back to, I, I can I can see how valuable this is. And I'm sure the listeners as we're talking through this can just see how valuable this is. So I'm so excited that that you've taken that risk. I'm so excited you got that five-minute journal. It did change your life. You know, in fact, I think uh, I'll make sure and put a link to it in, uh, in the show notes for the listeners, but I'm gonna order one myself and, and try it out. I've never been great at journaling, but I love that that's just a practical way To improve your mindset as we're uh, wrapping up here Ryan I'd love to ask you and it's probably tough because I'm sure you've read a lot but what are maybe like the top two books or three books whatever you want to pick that you think have influenced you and shaped you uh, whether it be as a person as a leader in your academic environment great question and My book is very heavily
1: influenced by all of these books mm. that that I'm going to recommend. So I, I reference these books uh, as well within my book. I think I feel like I'm with you in a sense of at least what you said is I think the mindset set that I struggle with the most is is the mindsets of inward versus outward, mm. and the book that gets at this at the deepest is a book that's called The Bonds That Make Us Free. It's written by Terry Warner. It's an inc- it's a deep book, and it's mm. going to force you to dig deep within you. But it is, I think of all the books that I've read, I'm not sure if I've read more of a life-changing book than that, wow. but probably because I needed it the most. Yeah. But it's a really powerful book. If you don't want to get in as deep into those principles, um, he's a founder of a consulting group called the Arbinger Institute. And they've published several books on this topic of inward versus outward mindset. So Leadership and Self-Deception, Anatomy of Peace, and The Outward Mindset are all fantastic books. They're a little bit easier reads, um, but all very good. Um, You mentioned Principles by Ray Dalio, or at least you mentioned Ray Dalio. His book Principles is fantastic. I think the best business book that I've ever read is Creativity, Inc., it's written by Ed Catmull. He's the founder of Pixar Animation. And then when Disney bought out Pixar, he became president of Disney Animation. And the whole book is all about how do you create a culture where creativity and innovation can thrive? Hmm. And many of the principles that he talks about are rooted in the mindsets that we've talked about. But then it's also fun to hear all the backstory of these movies that we've come to love uh, that Pixar and, both, and Disney have produced. So uh, it's a, I, I love the book all
2: around. So the, awesome. hopefully
1: there's three, hopefully that'll, yeah, that's great.
2: Up. I haven't read any of those. So I'm so excited to, to check those out. That's what's so neat. Uh, when you get to have great people like you on and recommend books that I've never heard of, and I can go check out and I'll make sure and put links to all those in the show notes. So Ryan, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people from this, uh, that want to reach out to you. What is the best way for them to find you and connect with you and also follow the great work that you're doing?
1: Um, the first place to go is my website. So at the web, my website, it's you'll find a link to take my free mindset assessment. You'll see a books page. If you go to my books page, I'm always doing promotions with my book. Uh, the promotions will be changing kind of here and there. But at the moment, if you buy an ebook, uh, I'll give you the audio book for free or vice versa. And then in addition, some free webinars. So we'll get that ch- that'll change up once we get the print version of the book out. Uh, but go there uh, to first, you know, check out what options are available for freebies with the book. Uh, also, you can learn more about the digital mindset coach there. The probably the second best place to connect is LinkedIn. That's probably the, the social media platform that I'm, I'm most involved in and would love to connect with anybody there as well.
2: Well, Ryan, I genuinely have enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Thank you for writing this book. And I'm excited to watch uh, it take off. I'm excited to, to watch people be impacted by this and, and follow your journey. So, And especially to the listeners, thanks for, for being with us here today. So thanks a lot, Ryan.
1: Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you trusting me to put me in front of your audience.
2: Well, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. And we'll, uh, we'll hopefully have you back on. And maybe a year from now, we can, we can catch up on where success mindsets have gone.
1: Let's do it. We'll get book number two, hopefully, around that <laughs> time
0: frame, too. That sounds great. Hey, friends. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan Godforson. I got a lot out of his book, and I got a lot out of listening to him answer some of those questions. I hope you did as well. I hope you'll go and check out his book, Success Mindsets and the Four Different Mindsets. He does a great job of explaining those. I want to leave you with a question. I really think that questions and the questions that we ask ourselves are really important so i just want to ask you a question to think about to ask yourself i'm asking myself this question when was the last time that i did something that got me outside of my comfort zone am i too comfortable right now where i'm at and i just want to encourage you to push yourself to get outside your comfort zone because that's where we grow life is short go make it count
2: hi i hope you have a great day today and i hope You will have a great day, and I hope that you will get some toys and stuff. I hope you will like yourself, enjoy and get married, and I hope you love yourself, and I hope you have a great day.